Hi, everybody. Welcome to our session. The title is Tales of Future Past, Speculative Science Fiction, Social Justice, and the Secondary Language Arts Classroom. I am I'm unbelievably excited about this. It's, um, I, I don't get nervous a lot, but I'm actually a little bit nervous right now because the, of who is on this panel, and hopefully you can see everyone. I'm going to read and, and and maybe you're not familiar, but but you soon will be. And, and wait till you hear this. Um, I'm going to just do a short intro of our panelists, and then we are going to get started. Um, we will start with Mr. Jerry Kraft. Uh, Jerry Kraft is the New York Times bestselling Newbery Medal award-winning author of the graphic novel New Kid and Class Act. Kraft is the creator of Mama's Boys, an award-winning comic strip that won the African-American Literacy uh, literary award five times and is a co-founder of the Schaumburg Center's annual Black Comic Book Festival uh, and he received his BFA from the School of Visual Arts. Next we have Damien Duffy. Damien Duffy is a cartoonist, scholar, writer, curator, lecturer, and Glyph uh, Comics Eisner Comics Bram Stoker award-winning number one New York Times best-selling graphic novelist Sold his MS and PhD in Library and Information Sciences from the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, where he teaches courses on computers and culture, social media, and global change. He uh, has many publications, from academic essays to uh, the graphic, the award-winning graphic novel adaptation of *Kindred* by Octavia Butler, and and then we have. Mr. John Jennings. John Jennings is a professor of media and cultural studies at the University of California, Riverside. Is the co-editor of the Eisner Award-winning collection, The Black of the Ink, Constructions of Black Identity in Comics and Sequential Art. Jennings is also a 2006 Nasir Jones Hip Hop Studies Fellow with the Hutchins Center at Harvard University. His current projects include uh, the horror anthology Box of Bones, the book Black Comics Returns with Damian Duffy and the Eisner Award-winning Bram Stoker Award-winning New York Times selling uh, best-selling graphic novel adaptation of Octavia Butler's Kindred and Parable of the Sower as well, and is also the founder and curator of the Abrams Megascope line of graphic novels. And finally, we have uh, Micah Malit. Is that I want to make sure I'm getting that name right? Is that correct? Maika Mulit. <laughs> she is a Miami native, daughter of Haitian immigrants, loves writing books, think pieces, journal entries, you name it. Um, when she's not scribbling every random thought into her notes app, she's sharpening her skills as a Howard University PhD student, which of course means more writing. Her research focuses on representation in media and its impact on marginalized groups. She's eldest of four sisters, loves audio books, fierce female leads and laughing has uh, has written uh, two young adult novels. Um, the second one, one of the good ones, discusses allyship and the legacy of racial prejudice and sisterhood and featured on Late Night with Seth Meyers and NPR Weekend Edition. Welcome everybody. Um, I my name is Mike Dando. I'm an assistant professor of English education at St. Cloud State University. Um, and I am, uh, I focus on youth culture, uh, popular culture, and the intersection of critical literacy development and democratic engagement in public schools. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for I, having that us. Was a, that was a, that was a, a mouthful, <laughs> but uh, that's because y'all are uh, just out there doing amazing things. So first of all, thank you for all that you do. Um, just to give everyone who's watching an idea of what we're going to be doing, this is, and I said this, um, I said this in the green room, um, that, <laughs> which was just means before I started recording, um, that we were going to make this more like a cipher, more like um, a kitchen table or lunchroom table kind of conversation, talking about um, speculative fiction, comics, um, anti-racism in children's uh, literature, and so forth. So um, I'm really, really looking forward to 
um, this conversation. So all that being said, let's dig in. Um, the first thing I wanted to, to ask, um, there's the title of this is, is, is talking about speculative fiction. And I wondered if there, how would you, how would you describe speculative fiction for someone who is like, is that just, that's just uh, spaceships, right? That's speculative equals spaceships. Um, or pretend like, how would you, and, and this is anybody could, can jump in. Um, but I wanted to kind of get that definition before we, before we jump in. Cause, cause I think that's important. Whenever there's a definition, I always acquiesce to professor John Jennings for that. And then I just follow suit. Um, that's a great <laughs> life plan. And I think that that's, we're all agreed. <laughs> so I didn't want to call on John, but you go. Um, oh, but, there he is. but Jerry did. Yeah, I was gonna go. But yeah, you know, I saw him get ready. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to do it, right? No, but um, let's go. Let's go. Anyway, yeah. So, so speculative fiction is a really big umbrella term. It's a subsection of like fiction writing, but basically, speculative fiction deals with any type of subject matter that is outside of what we deem to be reality or, or, or real life events. You know. So that does include like spaceships, but also like, you know, uh, most most horror stories, the supernatural, you know, fantasy. So basically if there's an elf in a spaceship, then that's definitely speculative, <laughs> you know, that kind of idea. But uh, yeah, but basically, yeah, it, that, that's the general, the, the general term. It, it deals with things that are, that we consider to be imaginary in that particular light that's not related directly to, you know, what we're seeing in the natural world, so. Would so you say that magical world. realism falls into that? I would say definitely yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Magical, uh, you know, supernatural, uncanny, haunting. Yeah, all all the different all those different aspects, you know, fall into speculation or, or speculative fiction as as uh, you know designated by folk. <laughs> anyway, because it doesn't. Oh, no, Does no. speculative fiction? Uh, also, sort of imply or often imply some kind of commentary on real life. I mean, I, I think it can, yeah. My connection, most of it, it, I always yeah. thought of it part because you're specula speculating about like what's possible, or yeah, an expansion of of what's possible. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that that's definitely like an impl implication. I would say, Doctor Duffy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, <laughs> doctor, doctor, doctor. <laughs> um, Micah, um, can we talk just real quick about one of the good ones because, um, we're talking about. Um, I saw it referred to as the hate you give pl uh, by way of get out, which <laughs> I thought lofty. was really, really interesting oh, wow. so in, in talking about, <laughs> in talking about speculative, right. In tech and talking about, talking about those things. Can you, can you talk a little bit maybe about, um, about how that, uh, <laughs> how that works, um, yeah. in your, how speculative fiction or how that, um, how that works in, in your, yeah. in your writing? Yes. So my sister and I, Maritza, we're co-authors. So we're sisters and we write together. Very messy. <laughs> but one of the good ones was our way of tackling social justice in America. And there's really no way to have that conversation without taking a look at the past. So throughout the story, we have different moments where our characters who are rooted in the modern day, um, it's about a 17 turned 18 year old social justice activist who ends up going to a social justice rally in real life. And she ends up dying under mysterious circumstances and while in police custody. So her sisters embark on this journey and they use the Negro Motorist Green Book as their guide. And it was really important for us to have this element of the past as well as the modern day to kind of show you know how much progress we've made but also to see what is left to be done and there is a twist in our story where we really wanted to turn on its head the idea of who gets to live and who gets to um fight back and that was really important for us you know i think when people um pick up a book like this, they go in very much thinking one idea, and we wanted that by the end of the story. I'm trying not to give any spoilers, if you could tell. <laughs> we wanted that. You, you got to visit, you gotta visit the website and put an order if you want the, <laughs> if you want the whole thing, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, but we wanted by the end of the story for people to really consider, you know, what does it mean to be an ally? And also, when we say that someone is one of the good ones, how much harm it can hold, and also, the ways that we police the people who are deemed worthy to be missed. Mm. And that, 
um, that kind of dovetails into, um, I, I feel like there is uh, an overlap. Dr. Duffy will we'll, we'll come to you um, and, and you and, and uh, John Jennings. Oh, I forgot your name real quick. It's right there on my Zoom. That's my, <laughs> that's my fault. Um, but you, <laughs> you and John um, have been working with uh, Octavia Butler's um, work, adapting, um, and, and beautifully so, might I add. Um, but um, when, I, when I'm hearing uh, Maika, when she's talking, um, I, I, I think of, of Kindred. Um, and the questions that she uh, and uh, her sister brought up, I wondered, um, what kind of questions or what kind of things you're, when you're adapting and when you're writing, um, what kind of questions bubble up to the surface when you're, um, when you're going through that process? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a big, it's a lot, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to make it broad so you can just like, say things like say words <laughs> oh right because we're supposed to talk and stuff um so like the i mean like sort of the outer shell is really just uh for me was getting over not that i ever really got over it but dealing with just the the legacy of uh Octavia butler's work and um just that she's such a beloved uh writer and thinker and um you know just trying to do right by her legacy and do justice to her story so that like just sort of her uh reputation and persona as an author and a thinker that that was like a big a big thing to deal with um but like for more kind of um i don't know like socio-political implications and thinking about that in her work i mean like her work is all about the power structures and uh dealing with power structures addressing power structures pointing out uh the sort of systemic injustice that you know we deal with every day but we're so quick to ignore um or not i don't know we white people are so quick to ignore um because they have that uh privilege but um you know trying to figure out ways to use the comics medium specifically to communicate those same same ideas and also the same uh, sort of depth and subtext the kind of evocative histories that butler deals with but also how that implicates us in the future like us right now how we deal with uh present injustice in part by arming ourselves with knowledge of the past mm -hmm. um which i think goes well with uh what Monica's saying talking about like her work um so i mean i think those questions are really big uh and with kindred i mean kindred is like almost just historical fiction with just like a little a little sprinkling of time travel um so a sousson <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but you know, even uh, though that book was written and is set in the seventies, like so much of it is still relevant today because we just haven't deal with dealt with uh, just the the harmful history of the United States, right? Um, and then uh, so the uh, Earthseed duology, I guess, <laughs> uh, so Parable of Sower, Parable of the Talents, uh, Sower we've done. We're working on talents now. Um, sort of comes at it from the other side. So it's like almost uh, if historical fiction was written from like some perspective way in the future, because uh, that's how accurate she was in talking about uh, a lot of the issues that impact us now. Uh, what was 30 years in the future for her is our present day. So yeah, just sort of dealing with how prescient she was, but also just how non-reactive America has been and the world has been in general to these things we've known about for so long. Those are the questions that kind of weigh heaviest with me. John? Yeah, so I'm supposed to talk about, we already said everything. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> well, then you know, never was, mind. That's what happens about, when you write with a co-author or work with somebody else. You're like, you said all the good stuff. You said all the good stuff. <laughs> like, and, I, and I knew that that was one of my fearful things. So I have to say other good things now. <laughs> so, um, so I was thinking about let's, the, utility, the, the utility of using speculative fiction, um, which you know kind of dovetails into a lot of things that Damien is saying and, and kind of started talking about with the fact that speculative fiction is highly informed by like the different types of uh, things that are happening in our quote unquote, you know, day to day, real, real world. Um, there's a, uh, 
there's a certain amount of distance that I think speculating using like, you know, symbolism or allegory that gives you a certain like distance from the problem. You know, so if you want to talk about racism, then, you know, you you create a, a situation that actually mirrors the things that are happening, you know, in, in your own society and create like an imaginary world building structure. Um, yeah, because to me, like a, a lot of things I mean, around story is also like problem solving. You know, I think about well, what's the issue that I want to talk about and how do I want to like address it through narrative you know and i, do, and I think it's the same way for with, with design and, and and that's one of the reasons why i'm so attracted to comics as a medium because they they're, they're really good at marrying uh text and image together as a, as one particular form but they're also inherently like um symbolic and surreal you know and so you can easily talk about um these symbolic things that that represent uh real problems in, in the real world and also kids connect to them very strongly because they're so visually driven you know and again, they also uh, give us a really good touchstone to talk about multimedia and, 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 and multimodal literacy as well. You know, just the different types of literacies are like really inherent in comics. And mm -hmm. yeah, so I think, you know, those are some of the things that really attract me to them. And, and they, they obviously deal directly with representation because you have to draw the thing, you know, <laughs> you know, you actually have to make these people look a certain way, you know, these types of things. So, it, so the, the politics of representation are also embedded in the medium. So. Mm -hmm. Told y'all, I told y'all that this you thought you were ready. The audience thought they were ready. They were not ready. Um, which brings me, okay, so I'm thinking about all this, and then I'm thinking about, and um, Jerry, I just, um, I want to say a public thank you because um, my kid was recently um, under the weather, ill, right? New kid and class act got him through so i'm like for real like the and the wow. sketchbook you see the sketchbook back there man listen he ate that up and he started drawing and he has a, he hasn't stopped since wow so thank like as a parent just as a parent <laughs> like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna take i'm gonna use my advantage here as 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 host and say thank you um yeah, and he it. said he and and he he took he saw a picture of his life of his library and he goes Hey, hey, hey! I was like, "Whoa, what happened?" He goes, "It's new kid. It's a big, it, and it's the, it's you. You did a a, a read, mm -hmm. and they got a, they got their read poster of oh, new wow. kid in, in their in their library. So thank you, bro. Uh, cool. This means a lot thank to me. Um, and I wanted to. Can you talk a little bit because um, we talk about pre, uh, situating the present, right? And we're talking. Right. Um, and I believe I believe it was uh, I think it was John Jennings who talked about sankofication. Um, this uh, a sankofation. How do you say it, John? I, I can never say it right. I said sankofation because it's like the term sankofa with narration. You know, sankofa with narration. You know, I'm a I'm a stickler. I, for, I mean, or, or I'm a sucker, not a stickler for like um, for poor mentos. You know, no, I mean, but but I want to make sure I got it. I want to make sure I got it right, and I got <laughs> I got you right here. <laughs> right. But it's it's situated. It's drawn from the past, drawing from the past to situate That's the right. present to 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 speculate and think about the future and and class act and new kid. Tell a very particular story. And I was wondering um, when you're thinking about the importance of of storytelling, and Mike had talked about about this a little bit about who's the politics of, of whose stories get told or or how or and so forth. I was wondering, can you talk a little bit about setting up that that very present conversation? Um, if if that makes sense. So no spaceships, at least not that I have seen right. in <laughs> in New Kid or Class Act. Um, but can you talk a little bit about telling a a a timely story that takes up that I think takes up a lot of the same questions that Octavia Butler takes up to be the John Jennings and Damian Duffy take up um, box of bones, for instance, takes up. Um, so can you maybe talk a little bit about about Absolutely. situating the present? You know, originally when I was uh, pitching New Kid, um, I did it as a flashback from like yeah from like me picking up my kid from school who was having a hard time of being one of the few kids of color in his school and then uh taking them out to breakfast uh i think it was you took him out to tyler perry's house of waffles or something like that yeah. <laughs> and they just kind of he says well dad you know you don't understand what it's like and he says, I do, because the same thing happened to me. 
and then you cut back to when I was in school right. back in the, the 80s, you know, going through like these different things. And um, it was going to be like showing like what it was like then, how it is now. Have things improved? Have they gotten worse? Have they stayed the same? And, um, you know, it, it's interesting because I have self-published for like 25 years. And so I was not used to ever having uh, to give in to an editor or to even, you know, because it's like, hey, I got this story. We're all book. nodding. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, John knows we do the Schomburg and like, okay, well, I'm going to have a new Mama's Boys book by December because Schomburg is next month, you know, and I was, boom, I got it. But to have to deal with editors right. and, and then, you know, some things you agree with, some things you don't. But again, I had never really been in that position. Mm. Um, you know, so like I always give kids a lot of credit because like you can't think that you're so much smarter than a kid and they can't comprehend stuff. And then you got to constantly call him to have him teach you how to use your phone. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> those, same kids, those same kids who are hooking up your Wi-Fi repeatedly, I think they can understand a flashback, you know? Um, so initially, uh, the, the obstacle that I had is kids don't understand flashbacks and they don't understand multiple points mm. of view and they don't understand this, they don't understand that. So I think if I had self-published New Kid, it um, would have been an entirely different book. Oh. Um, now, obviously it all worked out, <laughs> but, um, you know, so... I, I definitely simplified the story, but because the story was then simplified, I knew that I could, I could uh, really pop up some of the instances, you know, and you know the the speculative part to me is just like our capabilities. If you remove some of these obstacles, you know, yes, and, and that's the thing. It's like it really shouldn't be. You know, like a, a black kid going to a predominantly white private school shouldn't at this point in 2020, 2021 be groundbreaking and speculative. And But the idea, like you remove those obstacles, that there really is a level playing field. Mm -hmm. um, like, so it's sad that it is, but, you know... Um, so that that's that's the kind of things that I put in in my books is like I do have like what the problem is, you know, what the solution is, and then just but there's a lot of stuff that happens in between. So there's a lot this net. There's not like one right. right and one wrong. Right, and it's it it reminds me of what Damien was just saying uh, uh, a couple minutes ago. Thirty years ago is present day. Right. So she was talking, he's talking about Octavia Butler, but we're also talking about Jerry right. and, yeah. and Jerry's story and our kids' stories. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, this and we're at NCTE uh, gathering of educators. Our, our these are our kids' stories, too. And I, um, I wondered if we could um, kind of shift a little bit into. Um, I'm going to ask a big question and then it'll be real irritating for everybody. And it'll be I'm like, it's ready. We're, we're recording. <laughs> um, but okay. What we talk about dreaming, right? We talk about speculation. Like what would, what would it be like? What would, what would a, le a level playing field? What would an equitable education look like? What would an anti-racist education? These are speculative questions. So I guess my question to you all is why is, why is dreaming important and how do comics or speculative fiction help our kids or, or support? I should say support. I'm going to say help because, as Jerry said, kids don't. Kids are going to help me figure out. <laughs> They're helping us. Wi-Fi password, <laughs> right? Like they're going to help me figure it out. So support. How do our? How do these? This medium and how do these kinds of stories support our students in the act of creating um, a dream space or a dreamscape, if, if that makes sense. Right. Um, we, I mean, and, and anybody could take that one. Yeah. So 
I'm speaking from a very like, I guess, specific point of view. So my family's from Haiti. And if it's one thing that Haitian people love, it's a good dream. I hey. dreamt that if you went out here, you're gonna have a bad time. So you can't go, <laughs> especially parents when they're trying to keep their children from doing things that they don't want them to do. But in terms of um, text and books, dreams help us see the possibility. It just lets us know that sometimes it might seem as if it's this fantastical, you know, perfect universe where it's only in your mind, but truly children and young people have so much power. And um, I think, you know, the more that I learn, especially as I'm going through my studies in communication culture and media, is that we do have power. And so often we're made to feel as if we don't. And even the small things that we do are still acts of resistance. If we look at how um, black people and other marginalized groups are represented throughout media, you would think that there's only one way to be black. There's only one way to be queer. There's only one way to be whatever it is. But what we find in reality is that it's really this beautiful spectrum. And the different mediums that we have, whether it's comics or um, children's books, using especially the speculative form allows young people to really consider and imagine the future for themselves. And one thing that I really love is when you speak with young people after they've read your work, sometimes I feel like they ask better questions than the adults. Like they will get into the nitty gritty of the thing. Well, well why did you choose to do this instead of that? Because I would have done this. And it really makes you think and imagine this young person read this book and they have already imagined a completely different world. So I think that's there's um, power in that. Everyone's just nodding. So. <laughs> I'm like, uh, but I was like, can I just say that? Because that was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so any, I mean, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was thinking about just, again, the, you know, I always think, I, I think like a designer too much, but a utility of dreaming. I mean, it's like, I always go back to um, Robin D.G. Kelly's book, right? Freedom Dreams, you know? Mm -hmm. um, talks about the radical the idea of the radical black imagination right and it's difficult for me not to think about the different movements that have started throughout history that actually have moved our you know species forward uh for good or ill you know but all those different um ideas start with a notion with a dream you know and in order for you to move forward you have to be able to see yourself in that space and that's through the imagination that's through dreaming whether it's asleep or awake you know um and you can't bring those things into fruition, but you, unless you can actually have the facility, the, the agency uh, and the time to actually dream and actually imagine in a very, very positive uh, forward thinking way. And of course, you know, when I think about dreaming, I always think about Dr. King, right? I mean, I have, you know, I have a dream speech, right? Where he's, you know, postulating a fictitious space, which haven't, hasn't actually happened yet, where we can actually be together as equals, you know? All our, you know, all our children, you know, holding hands and, you know, being of, of, of one race, you know, one human race. You know, this is something that, you know, that hasn't really, that hasn't really happened yet. That is, that is, you know, starts out as this, you know, manifestation of a dream, you know. So anyway, th those, are th those are things that kind of resonate with me. The imagination is very powerful. And, you know, you have to actually like be, have the access and have the, the wherewithal to, to do that imagining first and then, through through imagining and through right. dreaming, bring those things into like a reified, you know, uh, realistic manifestation. So, I think also just going along with that, but saying the same stuff, just not as well. Um, <laughs> the uh, I I think there's something active in dreaming, like dreaming. It's a starting point for an active struggle that is necessary because reality is also an active struggle right like reality is all about i mean not always but but a lot of reality is sort of setting boundaries and telling you you can't do things or that things are not possible because they've never been done that way before and dreaming is sort of the way you sneak past some of those boundaries or you know you imagine ways to get past some of those obstacles um so yeah i think just going along with all that just like it's a it's a a place you can sort of actively start um, resisting boundaries that, that restrict you unjustly, that you can start, um, you know, planning for futures that will put you mm. and your family and your community in a better space. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, so I think I think part of the power in dreaming and speculation and imagination is that it's it's very active and it it requires you to uh, think about how things can change, right? Like uh, not just reinforcing what's already there, but thinking about how you can move past what's already there. Hmm. So this is this is not going where everyone else went, but um, <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as a as a kid though, like um, from what I saw in fiction and in real life, imaginations are welcome, but dreams were always lethal. You know, there was not a black character that I ever saw in a book or a movie who had a dream who realized that dream, mm. you know, you know, you go back a few years when I was a kid, any, any movie or book where the kid wanted to be, you know, go to college and get out of the hood. He never made it, you know, he never made it to that. Like he would get as close as having that letter in his hand and then something catastrophic would happen. And even, you know, when John just talked about Dr. King, you know, he didn't, he didn't survive to see that. Right. And he wouldn't too. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so <clears throat> my reality has actually out surpassed my dreams, you know, because like I had an imagination. Oh, you know, I'm going to draw Spider-Man. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But I, I didn't have dreams of becoming a New York Times best-selling author or winning a Newbery because I, I didn't even know that those dreams were, were open for somebody like me um, because I hadn't seen it done much before me. But I'm always like uh, really set up that right before that something horrible is going to happen and that's and i think a lot of even authors of color were still trained to do that mm -hmm. you know like um you know john jennings and i are going to start this new uh company in this sense and this is what our dream and they show us as kids and then right before we go to sign the contract one of us doesn't show up like that's the kind of stories that we write mm -hmm. because that's all we ever knew, you know, and then it may be like John going on without me or vice versa. And then it comes up and, then, you know, then there's this picture of one of us on the desk and it's like, hey, man, here's the you, <laughs> but, you know, like that. that's all I ever saw. Um, so I have to one of the, the hardest things for me to do is not go down that line. Mm. You know, I have to, like, edit that stuff out. Um, you know, so that's that's one of the things. And that's why, like, a new kid where I kind of led you to believe that grandpa had gone on to a better life because mm -hmm. I, I just knew everyone would be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, I knew it had to happen, so here it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah so that, that whole dream stuff always messes me up. No, I'm... <laughs> There's so much here, and and I know I, I want to keep I want to keep on time, but um, that tension of socialized expectation, especially narratively, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, well, of course, but as you said, like, well, of course, the kids aren't going to understand flashback or multiple points of view. They'll tell you all the X Men and how they're all related to everyone in this complicated yep. nexus. But they don't know that what you're telling them now happened yesterday. That's beyond them. So that ex that socialized expectation that creeps its way into the classroom mm -hmm. is well those kids are going to learn those kids can't the, the, those kids can those kids can't these kids are these kids aren't good student bad student tracking all of that stuff comes through this socialized I think socialized narration um, the stories we tell ourselves about each other etc one of the things I think that's hugely important and this is why I think um, that I, I'm the, the question the ways you answer the questions is we're like Jerry's going about like, no, we're telling a different kind of story. I'm telling a story, but that's the future. Like the speculative is like, okay, now you've got this story. We're going to, you're going to take this and run with it. You're going to, you don't have to tell the story, the same story, um, different ways, mm -hmm. but you can still speak to the humanity. Um, right. 
of who of the audience, right? And 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 what they want to see and what they can see. And I think this idea of um, Damien, what you were talking about, resisting boundaries, right? Actively resisting boundaries is something our kids, something kids do. <laughs> um, I have two children and um, they're very awesome and wonderful. <laughs> they're also three and seven. And if you tell them, whatever you do, do not push this button. <laughs> I guarantee you. <laughs> That's the first, <laughs> exactly. Oh, this button. Oh, my, oh no. But but this that's idea of that's what they're that's what they're supposed to do. And then, so the question was like, how can we support that? And like, that's how we support it is like having new dreams ourselves, having them and making that distinction between the imagination is like this has rockets, right? And dreams. But now every, again, right? you know every, what I'm saying? Right. But every book and movie that I saw that had the black kid push the Yo. button. They blew up. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I'm not pushing that button. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not pushing that button. Right. Yeah. And so this this notion of, um, I remember talking with my kid, and 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 he said, um, it, Dad, isn't Spider Man great? And I was like, Yeah, I love Spider Man. He's like, Yeah, Miles Morales is just the best. And that like like moved that was a paradigm shift for me. You know what I mean? Right. Because we had two different cultural reference, right? I was thinking Peter Parker. He was thinking Miles Brown. So he had a different North Star, as it mm -hmm, were. Mm -hmm. right, you know what I'm saying? And like I remember reading that, and and it was it was Vic, um, but but that was a big conversation of of why this why it was when Spider Verse came out. Right. It was this idea of of this story being now, and this story being speaking to a lot of what Jerry was talking about, um, which makes me, which brings me to this other question is. A lot of times, and this is, we're, we're talking NCT, a lot of times comics are positioned as interventions for kids mm. who don't, can't, won't, some deficit, right? Or like, get kids interested in real reading by having them have read a comic. And then eventually they'll read real books. Mm. Um, and I think that's a lot of, uh, again, that's the stories that we've told ourselves is that comics are for kids, therefore, uh, and things that for kids are less than, less than. secondary mm -hmm. marginal not serious unserious whatever um and i'm not going to ask you why comics are great but how do you understand speculative stories storytelling young and, and this is true micah for for a young adult fiction too ah that's ya right that's not adult fiction like don't by the way google adult fiction you don't want that that's just <laughs> don't do that um but but it's often positioned as 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 worse lesser than so how do you think about comics as a medium or, or ya as a, a, a as a form that that pushes student learning past interest because i think that is a part of it learning to read i know multiple folks who say i learned to read english through reading comics i got into reading via comics and that's good it's necessary but i feel like that's a lot of times where the conversation stops right and and it ends up being classics illustrated where it's just like three musketeers but it's pictures <laughs> um so i'm wondering how your work how y'all's work figures into pushing thinking beyond just interest in reading yeah i mean i can speak from you know like the young adult lit, lit perspective there's always this desire to deficitize young people as if we all weren't young people at one point. Like, I don't know about you. I didn't come to this earth fully formed as an adult. <laughs> I remember all the angsty feelings that I had as a young person. Like that is a lot of emotion and things that you are grappling with. And so many times you're just starting to come into your own. You're creating your own ideas. You might be pushing back against things that you have heard. Mm -hmm. um, and especially within the comics medium, that visual component is so crucial. When we look at you know, past media and its evolution, the image was a really big part in helping to change the way that people were represented. Of course, you know, when we're listening to the radio, it was easier for you know, white folks to be able to reconcile the fact that yes, I'm listening to this music by a black person because they didn't have to see them. But yeah. once television came into the home, there was a huge resistance of being like, oh no, now that I see you, this is a totally different thing. And so we shouldn't look at comics as simply something that of course can help the reluctant reader be able to um, embrace reading, but also we can't discredit the fact that the image itself 
seeing a young queer person, a young black person, a young whoever be the main character of a story, that's so powerful. And it, it goes back to what we were talking about dreaming, you know, especially what Jerry said, like the dream, imagination is, it seems like it's this thing that's a little bit nebulous, but a dream, when we think about it, you went to sleep and you envisioned a whole new world. Right. You did that with your mind. So being able to see that representation, I, I, I just think it goes back to that power. And people should put some respect on comics names. You know, I'm gonna start freestyling to Cypher Scott. I think you're gonna get any pushback at all from this from our, <laughs> no, this panel. No, not from this panel at all. You know, I, that's funny because just to kind of piggyback off of that, I was thinking about um, you know, this whole idea of the gateway drug. I mean, it's something that we still <laughs> It's so, it's so, it's so what, late 80s, early 90s. Oh, my God. Are you still saying that? <laughs> oh, my God. No. Yeah. yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we really have to uh, do our best to push comics as a different medium because the comics are actually extremely, in some ways, more complex, right? Because yeah. you're having to, you know, marry different types of reading together, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and also, um, again, the, the, the power of the imagination being reified in the image is, is just invaluable you know um and i was thinking about this uh, uh when maika was talking about that episode of um uh deep star trek deep space nine the one uh, you know far beyond the stars where the main uh, character benjamin cisco is is time traveling back into the 50s and he thinks he's a, a science fiction writer and he has this nervous breakdown and he says this one thing that you know about like the power of the mind, and and this is old magic. You know, he, he, he or old. It's an old belief structure that when you think of a, of something, you dream something, you speak it into existence, that it becomes real. You know, this kind of idea, right? There's so many things that we believe in that aren't real, like you know, like money, for instance. <laughs> you know, you know, we put, we play, we we believe in these things. We, we put so much value in these things, um, and they become they change our lives. You know, race is like that too. Race is, is science fiction. You know, so these are these are things that are um that are that are imaginary that we put that we invest so much in and so for you to discount a comic or discount like the speculative you're really discounting you know a, a, an entire like litany of belief structures throughout mankind history you know anyway i'm gonna stop talking we're preaching now <laughs> yeah, I, know, <laughs> so I think more than anything it's that whole like you know comics as debased print literacy or whatever is just and it and also talking about like YA as like less than or or devaluing young people's opinions in general it's just another way to assert uh control right like it's a way to assert adult control like we actually know stuff it's like this this is how it is you're just dumb and you don't get it but you'll get it eventually once you learn to read the right things um Ooh. and like uh, it, like John was saying, it like blows my mind that that's still a thing with comics because so many times I've been, I've said, you know, like, I think a lot of us here have given these talks of like, no, comics is not just one thing. Um, and you, you think like now I'm just, everyone knows this by now, right? Right, exactly. No. Um, and, uh, yep. just that lack of, of progress or just like that sort of entrenched notion, like, it it's mind boggling that it's still so entrenched, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but then also it, it's crazy how um, comics has now sometimes an education been positioned in the other way where it's like a slower version of going on the internet or using new media mm -hmm. or like mm -hmm. looking at apps or something. Cause there's pictures, but you, it's still like reading, right? So it's, it's a way to get the kids like read from, from TikTok or whatever, you know? Right. Um, so, but it's never like, no, comics is able to, you, like, you're able to make all these arguments about comics or you're able to use comics as a tool in these ways of either, you know, getting reluctant readers to read or getting people who are, like, caught up in the internet to be more critical, critically literate. Um, it, it's because comics, like, lives at this crossroads of image and text that allows you to, like, touch on any other kind of media um, and do so in a way that's really, like... Uh, like reflective and critical and considerate um so yeah that that's i think i called it like chimeric literacy or something with comics. Like yeah I, I wrote something about this a while ago 
Um, <laughs> but but that One idea, of my many amazing things. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I come up with some. It was an academic thing. I was trying to sound smart. You know. You know how we no, man, that's dope. <laughs> I like it. Chimeric literacy. Yeah, I think also too, you touched on something that you know it, it, it pings around in my head when you said that. Uh, as far as like just the you know how how things don't change. It's the nature of institutions, right? I mean, institutions would are designed sure. to not change. That's their superpower, actually. <laughs> like I'm going to not change right in front of you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Yeah, it's very difficult. You know, what I'm saying they're yeah. they are entrenched and they are designed to not change for a very specific reason. Mm. You know, and so when you look at things like education and the way that um, you know uh, health healthcare is handled, or the idea of class, gender, all these different like entrenched notions about how we're supposed to be, um, they're designed and they they function really well. And so you have to do a lot of like imagining. Uh, you know, critical imagining to kind of unmake those institutions, you know? Yeah. It's, and, and something is like, oh my God, we're still having this conversation. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. yeah. Didn't we just have but, this? What? Oh I, and I felt like, I, feel, I don't, I feel bad asking a question, but I, it still needs asking, I feel like, and I don't like that it needs asking, but if there's people out there who are in the audience, like oh, I want to teach comics. I want to get comics in my classroom beyond just, you know, how do I do it? What do I do? In some ways, you got to develop that critical. You've done the good work of like imagining different kinds of literature and different kinds of literacies. But there is still this, as you said, one of the superpowers is this institutional pushback Im or immutability, immutability right? Yeah. And so it's just like here is being able to articulate or hear like oh that's a good way to think about it that's a way i want to to think about it in my own in my own classroom or in my own district because there's a, and and i don't want to get too far into this because this is maybe even another panel but whenever you try and change something and, and micah you brought this up and i want to i want to pivot toward it it's when you have to see it then you have to reckon with it yeah yeah you know that's what i'm saying yeah. and 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 when you see it and we're at a we're at our time of reckoning. And Jerry, I, I, I didn't get give you a chance um, to, to jump in um, about that. And I know it looked like you had something to say in, in terms of um, what we were what we were talking oh, about. No, no, I'll be quick because I know we're running out of time. Um, I just know that, um, you know, I wasn't a book reader, but Marvel Comics prepared me like nothing else. You know, yes. Tales of Astonish, Tales of Suspense, Spectacular. Armageddon, Annihilation, this, like, these are like, you know, really big words. So by the time I had to read Faulkner, I could. Mm -hmm. I didn't yeah. want to. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that's... <laughs> hey, that's my homeboy. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I never... paragraph a page long? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I never related to any character in a book when I was growing up, black or white or whomever, as I did to Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Right. You know? Yeah. So if I had, then I'd have been a book reader. But I never saw that because of, like I said, the, you know, the lack of dreaming and the, you know, all that kind of stuff and the catastrophic, uh, you know, events. So I knew Peter Parker was going to make it to the end of each book, <laughs> of each comic, you know? And he was going to overcome whatever. And, um, you got that and you got the vocabulary and that's that's what got me to be a reader and and that's really like for me it's this thing where i always had to i was barely past the uh hiding my comic behind my my social studies book we we're supposed to be like i was barely past that age now there's apps now there's comicsology right. <laughs> but <laughs> um but this idea of uh, you know development of literacy absolutely crucial but then development of whose literacy, whose stories, how mm -hmm. it works, right. and this bu butting up against these power structures. You're gonna read, you're about to get this Faulkner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's 11th grade and we're about to read about Yachna Patofna <laughs> County. Oh, I got layers, what? Right. But, 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 I'm gonna, <laughs> sorry. Um, but I wanna talk a little bit about the, just the push, not the pushback, but how we can do this because I know we're living in a time of of reckoning educationally speaking 
And I know every year a list comes out of somebody caught feelings about somebody's book. I mean, Jerry might know. Yeah, no, raise your hand if that's you. No, (laughs) (laughs) No, it made CNN. No, I know. So I'm like, (laughs) when when, I'm asking this question on purpose, Um, I'm silly, but but I do have a plan. But so so when we're thinking about when you have to see it, you have like it's hard to be what you can't see. Which we said right, but now we see it. it. Now I can be it. Well, now Mm -hmm. that's a threat. Now that's a threat. Because it's powerful, because that's the old magic. Mm-hmm. So, like, Jerry, like, what would you say to somebody who, and this is, maybe this is for everybody, but we'll want Jerry to talk about it first, if, if that's okay. Bring on to bring comics in, but it's like, I don't know if I bring, so I got my, I just, I just picked up my new Icon and Rocket comic. The milestone's back. What is it? 30 years ago is present day. Um, <laughs> I just picked up my new Reg, Reg Hudlin, my new, my Bill, new Bill Sinkowitz. Um, so Jerry, how what would you say to somebody who's who's nervous about somebody going to get mad that they're bringing in new new kid or comics in general? Like, you know, so what, what do you thing, say to that? The the changing it, it is definitely afraid of the change because <laughs> there are kids. You know, I get probably more email from parents and teachers saying there's this young kid in my class and not even necessarily a black kid but he has not finished a book since i have known him and he's read a new kid three times or yep. there's one that was the best um she was like this kid came to me and was like yo miss so-and-so you have to read this book so we can talk about it on monday and she's like wait a minute you're challenging me to read the book <laughs> yeah. You know, that's flip, that's flipped the script right there. <laughs> but now here's the thing. Look at this. You have um, a kid who is always labeled as a reluctant reader, right? He challenges his teacher or librarian to read a book that has won the Newbery. So he's now reading an award-winning book, right? Mm-hmm. And now she may have to come to him because she's not a comics reader. And been like, uh, wait a minute, I'm a little confused. Which which box do you read next? How do I navigate this text? Right. How, oh no no no, Miss Sansa, yeah. it's called a panel. Here, you go from left to right, and you see this. You read this first, and it, so now look look at this. He he's like this. Yep. So he's right. slow now. Right. He's like, not only did I finish this book, I had to help my teacher read this book, but then. Once they have a conversation, she's seen a whole nother side to him because she's like, wow, you digested all of that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because I live this. Like, this oh. is me. So let me tell you, boom. Me. And now Woo. it just it changes the whole dynamic. And so you got people that are like, mm, we like that old one where he reads a book about not being able to sit in the front of the bus and then he tunes out. And he's like just ripping up paper in the back of the classroom and all the other kids are into it, but now he's, mm. so the, yeah, there, there's a lot of that. There's a change on the page, but there's that change to the kid, which is what I think uh, terrifies some people. It's that dream. Mm-hmm. Like I had that other dream that I was terrified of. These kids that have dreams, that's Ooh. what people are terrified of. Mm-hmm. Some people's dreams are other people's nightmares. Right. Again. Because here, here's the thing. <laughs> when when you kid got got banned, um, I got calls from BBC, CNN, NBC, uh, the French AP, all these magazines. They didn't call me when I went to Newbury. Nope. You know, hey, first graphic hey, hey. novel ever. Mm. Right. Right. Say that again. First graphic novel ever. I love that I, sentence. I, I, I thought that was amazing. So, you know, just right? so you know. <laughs> That's why we the only, the only to everyone, and excuse me, but I just got Go ahead. Go it. ahead. Only the win the Newberry, Credit Scott King, and the Kirkus. Only book ever. I didn't get calls like that. But now, one school district in Texas bans my book, and now it's a worldwide thing. So, again, they didn't they didn't embrace my dream 
of you know becoming this person cool. you know but they embrace the nightmare aspect of someone else's dream to take me down mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. why i write books like new kid because i never think that that dream is going to last because it's always someone else's dream to take you down mm. see that's that's real <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's go I, yeah, I, I was just thinking right quick you know about you know I, I, again throughout this whole panel i keep talking about functionality and utility you know and i you know i i teach because of the fact that i was raised by two wonderful people who were not well educated my, my grandmother had a fourth grade education my grandfather was couldn't read or write totally illiterate and but believed in me going to school right because they saw in their dreams that, that, that if I did that, then I could get out of the space that we were in, which was a space of like lack of access and poverty, right? And so I always think about like the utility of education. Is it really for that? Is it really for the things mm. that we imagine it to be? Mm. Or is it a system of indoctrination into a particular way of thinking? And see, these are the things that, that you know, that are intention with each other. Those of us who are, who are in the space, like all of us are in the space to edify people, to make them better, to change the world. And then there's a system that is there to do the opposite. And these are the things that, um, that I contend with that keep me awake at night, particularly now that I have like a two-year-old, you know, a, a, a two-year-old with special needs, yeah. you know, that's, that's what I have right now and I'm dealing with. I, I worry about his dreams now, you know? And so these, these are the things <laughs> why, why, why dreaming of a better space has to start now right so i'm gonna stop talking and shit i love that i think too with what jerry was saying that's a shift in power dynamics yes when you have a young person who's telling you this is how you read it and you have to literally humble yourself Mm -hmm. and be like wow i don't know how this works and i think a lot of people don't want to give up that power they don't want to feel humble and I think part of that is because maybe generations before, there was not even a conversation about it. The way things were is the way things were, and you could not resist. And so now to have young people who are pushing back and saying, well, I know that's how it was, but can we change it? Because if we do things the way that things have always been, you know, this panel with us of, you know, different, you know, genders, different gender identities, races, even this moment would not be able to happen. So, you know, I think there is um, a resistance to giving up that power. Because also when you think yes. about it, if you have an idea of like, well, when I look back at the way things were before for my father and my grandfather, they had a moment where they could be the most powerful. So mm-hmm. why would I give up the opportunity for me to be the most powerful? I don't care about equity. I want my chance to lord over someone else. Right. <laughs> so there's this um, really big desire. And then so many times it's positioned as, think of the children, the children. children. <laughs> the children, right. But then the children are saying, we want to have these conversations. We want to do these things. And yet it's like, no, no, child, you actually don't know what you're talking about. So it's just, it's really yeah. interesting. I think, you know, one of the scholarly words that we like to throw around is hegemony and mm-hmm. how we just have this, mm-hmm. this is the way it is. This is the social order. This is how we dominate. This is how we, um, you know, create the culture that we say is ours and any resistance to that, it's uncomfortable. And, you know, I think it's okay. Like, I think people need to lean into that discomfort and it's going to take time, but don't shy away from it. And you're going to get some things wrong, Mm -hmm. but that's just the name of the game. If you say you want to be better and you want to do better, it's going to mean you're going to have some moments where you're going to feel real crunchy. <laughs> but you'll be here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and by the way, uh, uh, Dr. Danda, we need a, a finger snap like emoji, don't we? Like, yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm, <laughs> yeah, trying, I'm trying to like do it need, without need like another. putting it in my microphone, but like, because I don't want to clap really one. loud and make everybody upset. No, no, but... I get it. But I just, every yeah. time someone does that, like you just did, I was like, man, we really do need a finger snap. Yeah, finger snap. Like, you know, anyway. <laughs> I just feel like I look too awkward when I try to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we we're we're running up on time. Um, and uh, I guess I I, I want to have I just want to say one thing that that came that came to mind while we were talking is the the fact that each one of you has put something on paper. 
and 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 I was watching the show. I was like, kids don't think about paper anymore. Yes, they do, but it's per it's part of the record. It's part of it's there for keeps. And I was I tell uh, I I tell folks that are that take my teacher ed classes is you are you are facilitating time travel. So somebody wrote something in 1970, and you're seeing it now. And yeah. how do we reckon with like that's mad? That's the old Matt, right? Like that somebody's you're you're a wizard, Harry. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like you're <laughs> you're bringing that forward, and that exists, and that's permanent, and no one can undo what has been done. Do you know what I say? You can try and do, you can try and silence it, you can try and marginalize it, but it's still there. It's that rose that's from concrete, right? And we grow into that power. And and the fact is that now we have. Kendrick won the was it Kendrick won the Pulitzer. Jerry won all the awards. Um, John and J John and Damian won all the awards too. Um, and and now I, and I'll I'll plug it. Um, we got Lime Man at the Met, right at, in the in the period room mm -hmm. um, that exists in spaces where we push forward. Where these are spaces of resistance, and that's the power of these these texts that can live in your classroom. And I'm, so I'm talking to the people that are thinking about it. Like, how do I bring, why do you want to bring comics into your classroom? Why do we bring speculative fiction? Because of all the stuff that we just talked about. Yes, it's good for kids to learn to, we want those high interest things, right? But but the high interest is not just the pictures, it's the how it, how it connects the heart and the head and puts it into the universe. So mm -hmm. um, any last, any, any, any final, any comments or any any shareables? Anything y'all wanna you wanna uh, make sure that people hear before we before we wrap? Hmm. I, there's something you said about you know reading something from 30 years ago and it's still having um, that relevance. Yeah, I was rereading at the height of the pandemic. I don't know why I did this to myself, but I was rereading Parable of the Sower. And I was like, you want to know what was going to happen next? What's happening on strange. Tuesday? That is a yes. <laughs> like, this is too much. I think I need to take a break. Like, you know, so I think that that is a magic. That is a power. And I, I love that. And I love that I, you know, I have this honor of being able to share certain stories. Like my first book, Dear mm. Haiti Love Elaine, is about a Haitian teen. I never read a book like that when I was younger. And I think now somebody is going to be able to pick this book up and see themselves on the pages. Somebody's gonna be reading words in Creole, probably pronouncing them incorrectly, but it will be there in the written text. And I, there. that's just, it's, that's right. I love that. Like that's a, that's a pride for me that I will never, um, that I will never stop feeling. And yeah, I, it, it feels good. <laughs> it does, it does, it, it's wonderful. I think, I think that we're like uh, talking about like honor or it's an honor, it's a privilege. Like that's really how, like I never feel like I'm a wizard, Harry, you know, I'm just like, I, I get to be one of those, like, it's not really about what I've done, but what people are going to take from it. And the fact that they can take something from it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I don't know. And I, I think like uh, comics, especially one reason I'm drawn to it. One reason I think it, it's so important for education is that comics is a collaborative medium inherently right. collaborative, not only in the making, but in the reading. Um, and uh in the fan culture and everything and like i you know if anything i'm just like lucky to be here and be a part of it um and the other thing i want to say it was kind of important well one my wife said happy birthday john specifically uh -huh. from her <laughs> i was like i already told him she's like no for me jerry the only reason my kids have not bust in and like interrupted is because they knew i was talking to you and they were just very excited so oh dude i yeah. told i told my eight-year-old i was like i'm gonna talk to jerry craft remember and he was like new kid jerry craft oh. i was like new kid jerry craft <laughs> my kids their friends they're like my dad knows jerry craft so yeah. that's really <laughs> all it's been all worth it because thanks for making us cool again <laughs> seriously man like yeah you know i, I do want to say one thing visually and thank you everyone but um you know now um like i always thought of it as you know representing african-american kids in a certain way but now, you know, when I would tour and all that, I'd have kids going, Miss Scrap, how come there's no one like me in your book? I'm like, oh, okay. So I just started putting in, you know, I met, I was somewhere and I met a Sikh family and they're like, I was like, okay, I took pictures, you know, and like, okay, let me get this right. And like just yesterday, someone wrote, 
oh my goodness, my son just saw a, you know, this kid and it looked just like him and you got everything. And I was like, wow. And this is like in the background. And one of the things that I think is great is visually I can draw a hundred people mm -hmm. in an auditorium and make all the mm -hmm. kids represent as many different kids as I want. Whereas if it was just a prose novel, you're not going to describe all 100 Medium. kids. Yep. You know, yep. I can have someone walk through many times. Like uh, I have a character with alopecia who's just always in the background because I met the girls like, hey, how so like me? I have alopecia. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> yeah. right. So that's right. So that's the kind of thing where people will see that and like, oh my goodness. Whereas if it was prose, I wouldn't necessarily write all the descriptions of everyone who I wanted to put in there. That's right. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of the, the highlights is getting those emails. You could write it in prose, but your editor would make you remove it. Like what we're <laughs> right. talking about. Right. Like, like, you don't have to describe all 140 kids in the auditorium. Right. <laughs> um, everyone, John Jennings, Micah Malit, Maika Malit, Damian Duffy, Jerry Kraft, um, Thank you so much for your time, your energy, your brilliance, um, what you contribute to making the world a better place. And I mean that, it's not corny. I'm not saying this from a corny perspective at all. Like we're better because of what you do. And thank you so much. And thank you everybody else for joining us today. Um, I, there may, I, there's gonna be time, maybe time for a couple questions, but um, we're gonna stop the recording at this point. Um, and again, we want to thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.